Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Well, good morning, Epicos. How are y'all doing today? All right, all right. It is always a pleasure to be with you. It's always a pleasure to be able to come into the house of the Lord to worship, to sing songs, to, to just say hello and good morning, to smile at someone. It is just a joy to be here and such a blessing to see you today. My name is Anthony. I'm one of your pastors. It, like I said, it's just always a joy to be here. We'd like to say good morning to our friends online, to our friends over at Sherman Park, Mayfair Road, and our Eastside campus. We're just blessed to be here today and just looking forward to this opportunity to jump into today's sermon. Uh, we're continuing on in our series as we're visiting a new series, uh, city. We have been journeying through the New Testament. And today the plains lands in First and Second Peter. Uh, but before we get started, we join me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we love you, O oh God. We just ask that you would be with us, O oh God. We ask that you will help us to draw nearer to you, O oh God, through your word. And not only as we are drawing nearer to you, O oh God, help us to draw nearer to each other, Lord, to be the loving people that you have called us to be, to share the love that you so freely shared with us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, um, I chose to use for a topic for our sermon, This Is Us. And you might automatically go to the TV show that, that, that just left the air. Uh, it was one of my favorite TV shows. Uh, uh, each episode always made me just regret that I didn't have stock in Kleenex because we were always crying about something that was happening on This Is Us. But um, with that, I like to propose a question. And that question would be, who are we? Who are we? Who are we? And, and particularly in asking that question, I, I, I like to make it a little bit personal. Who are you? I ask this question because um, one of the things uh, just in being a pastor, I, I come across them and I meet a lot of people. And one of the things that I like to do when I meet people, I like to start off with the simple question of asking who, who are they? And, and when we get into this conversation of who they are, I like to ask, say, well, please, could you tell me your story? And each and every one of us has a story. Each and every one has, has experiences and things that we've been through. Uh, we've had joys in life. We've had hard times and, and triumphs at times and, and tragedies sometimes in life. But all of our stories are uniquely ours. And it is always a great experience to get to know people and learn their story. Uh, we all have something to share and that makes us who we are. And when, when we find today in our scripture, we're going to learn a little bit more about what Peter, one of the apostles, one of the 12, is sharing 
to this audience. And the audience that he's sharing to is the church that is scattered through what is known as Asia Minor or common day would be known as the area around Turkey at this time period. But he is, in this letter, he is sending uh, words of encouragement of who these people are. And it's almost a reminder and an encouragement of who they are and, and, and the journey that they've all taken to be where they are at this point. So with that being said, let's get into our scripture. Uh, today's sermon is going to be highlighting some different elements from First and Second Peter. Now, First and Second Peter, I, I really implore you at the, to take some time to read First and Second Peter. Uh, it's a short read, and so it's not too lengthy. But there's so much that is involved in in those two letters that Peter has written to these churches, and there's so much encouragement and and how they can learn to live their lives and how to navigate the world that they are in at the time period. But we like to focus in on a particular theme that is being expressed early on in in 1 Peter in chapters 1 and 2. And so let's take a look at some scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And it reads as follows. Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling his blood, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. This brings us to our first point. This is us as believers. This is us as believers. Peter reminds those believers that are spread out in this church uh, this church that of their faith in Jesus Christ, that as believers that they have a living hope in Jesus Christ. And they can take great joy and comfort in this living hope that he has redeemed us all by his blood. Now we find in this bit of scripture that, G, that Peter doesn't give us a grand description of what heaven is going to look like and what this great reward is going to look like for those that put their faith in Jesus. But what he does go on to describe is different aspects of this great inheritance for everyone that has set their faith in Jesus. He goes on to say that it is imperishable, that it is undefiled, and it is unfair. 
fading. He speaks of the eternal hope and the never-ending, never-changing love that Jesus has for us and what he has prepared for us all as believers. And that this thing that he has shown us, that, that he has moved in a way to touch us and move in a way that we can trust and believe in what God has for us. He's kept this all for us all as believers. And this is bringing us quickly on to our second point is, this is what we have to contend with as believers. Um, as believers, we live a life that is not problem-free. And Peter wants to express to us in Scripture a little bit of what our journey looks like in this life. As we are looking at Scripture in, in 1 Peter, verses, first chapter, verses 6 to 9, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though is tested by fire, may be found as a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy in the inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As I was stating, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ does not grant us a problem-free life. Peter shares that the church will be experiencing trials and challenges, that their lives would be tested and their lives would be refined like fine gold. Now, this is the interesting analogy that Peter speaks of, of saying that their lives would be tested and, and purified like fine gold. The process of purifying metals, and particularly gold, means that 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 metal had to be heated and it had to be tempered. And during that heating process, the impurities that were ever in that metal would rise to the top and the person that would be working that metal would skim off the impurities. It is the only way to, to extract impurities, uh, impurities that are in gold and other metals to make it pure. And Peter is sharing that our lives as believers are very much like this, that our perfecting, our, our, what God has been doing to make us better people and to make us the people that he wants us to become comes at a price. It comes with us having some trials and tribulations in life. And brothers and sisters, this is something important for us to know and to hold on that First of all, just by us living, we're going to experience hard times. We're going to experience trials. We're going to experience things that are going to test our souls. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is broken by sin. But during this time period of us 
just being refined and, and, being, re, and, and being made stronger. Our, our faith is tested by these trials. But one of the beautiful things of, that we have that we can hold on to in our faith is knowing that we are not alone in this. That we are given strength to, to make it do, to endure. That we have been given something by Jesus that is the power of his Holy Spirit to endure. And this is for our perfecting, that our, our trials and the things that we go through and have experienced are making us stronger and are making us better. That the things that we experience in our lives, the heartache, the trouble, the, 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 the despair, things that, that, that have broken us down at times are making us stronger. And we live a testimony to those who do believe on knowing that even though we struggle, God is always with us. And he is our source. He is our strength. He is the, the reason that we can endure. That even though we might cry at times and, and feel that there, there is no way out, Jesus is our living hope. He is the person that holds us and sustains us through it all. And so this, these things that we go through, these trials that we experience are yet another testimony for us and an example to those that believe and also an example to those who don't believe. That us persevering, us standing strong in, in the midst of trials, in, in the midst of persecution is an example to those that might not know God that there is a God, that there is something that gives us that strength to, 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 enjoy, to endure on, to, to press forward when it seems like there is a world against us. The believers that Peter was writing to in these letters lived in this province of Asia Minor and it was under Roman rule. And so under Roman rule, they were subject to Roman culture and uh, and, the, and the gods that the Romans had uh, were worshiping at this time period and the pressures that were existing because they did not believe what the greater culture believed. That this was the time period for them to press on in the midst of persecution. And for, and for them, this was something that was very difficult and we find this to be a parallel in our own lives that as believers we're, we're living in a world that is counterculture to what the world is saying and there might be some persecution because of what we've hold on to that because we love Jesus and that we have hold on to his love and his message and we, we, we stick true to his word and his teachings those people that were in these churches in, in Cappadocia and Pontus were people that they grew up in these cultures, but they came into the marvelous light of Jesus. But they experienced persecution as a result. But they decided that they will hold on to the faith, that they will hold on to what God had said in his word that what the Holy Spirit was doing in them, building a community, supporting each other, and encouraging each other in the midst of their trials. And this is the lesson for us today as believers.
As we go on in our sermon today, our next point is that this is our assurance in Jesus. Our assurance in Jesus can be expressed in what Peter had shared in chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. He reads as, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You were, once, you were not a people, but you are now God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Peter's language to describe the believers is encouragement to us all of who we are in Jesus. Peter's language that he uses speaks of how we are called out of the darkness into the marvelous light of God. We were once a people and now we're his people. We have been chosen. We have been called out. We have a purpose and a plan for who we are. Jesus fulfills the Abrahamic promise of us all being his chosen people. Uh, Peter using the language of chosen people and those that might have understood Jewish culture would know that he would, normally that's the speaking of the children of Israel. But now Peter speaks of those who have accepted Jesus Christ, those who have opened their hearts to the message of salvation, have become chosen. They have been brought into the fold that there is inclusion for everyone who opens their hearts to Jesus. And particularly, he uses the language of them being a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people of his own possession. This language that he uses of them being a royal priesthood is interesting because at that time period, royalty and the priesthood, they were somewhat separate. But Jesus has in incorporated them together saying that you are part of my family. You're, you're mine now. You're my possession. You're not just a scattered people. You're mine. And since we're part of his, of his family, of his royalty, heirs to his love, we are part of his priesthood. And this is an interesting term for us to, to look at and explore. As being a part of his priesthood, this means that every one of us that are believers, every one of us that have opened our hearts to Jesus Christ, we have been gifted and have an obligation to share his love with every single person. To share his love freely with everyone that we come across. We have all been called into his divine priesthood to share his message to share his love, to share that Jesus is the way, to share that there is hope in Jesus, to share that there is restoration in him, 
to share that there is forgiveness in Jesus. This is our opportunity. This is our obligation for what he has done for every single one of us to freely share what he can do in the lives of anyone that would believe. We are called to this priesthood. We are called out to be his people and we are called out of the darkness into the marvelous light. This means that each and every one of us, when we look back at our lives and we look at, at our stories and our journeys, we know that God has, has, has done amazing, miraculous things to bring us where we are. When we look back at even the story of Peter, who is, one of, is the writer of this, these two letters, we look at Peter's journey with Jesus and how he, he journeyed with him and had moments of doubt and even a, had a low point of denying Jesus. But his redemption came when he surrendered to Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus said to him as Peter would set forth in his ministry, he asked him, Peter, if you love me, keep my sheep, love my sheep. Love my people. And that message that was shared with Peter is the same message that we have today. If we love Jesus, we will feed his sheep. We will love his sheep. We will love those that are around us. We will open our hearts and, and share the gospel message that redeemed us and called us all out of the darkness into his marvelous light. As we transition on and we get ready to close this message, I have one question for you. Who are we? This is us. This is us. We are those that have been called out of the darkness into the marvelous light. We are those that have been redeemed by his blood. We are those that even though we struggle and we, we, we fall at times, God is there to lift us up and, and, and bring us through. And I like to make an invitation to you all, those of you who might not know Jesus, those of you who might be on the cusp of opening your heart to him. You are welcome to join us. You are welcome into God's holy family. You are welcome just by surrendering and saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I accept your sacrifice. I accept what you did for me on the cross. That I need to be redeemed. And I, my, I know that my life is lost and broken without you. That's all it takes. That this gospel invitation, this invitation to, 
to to be in relationship with Jesus is open to any and everyone that will open their hearts and and receive and, and take it into their heart. And for those of us who might have strayed away, Jesus knows you and he loves you. For when we have accepted him in our hearts, we could never truly turn our backs on him. We, we might be a little distant from him, but he wants you to come on home. And so this morning, as we're wrapping up this message and, and we're making this invitation, I ask you, I implore you, I beg you, if you do not know Jesus, I ask that you would open your hearts to him today. That you would give him opportunity to come into your life. That you would give him opportunity to show you what love really is. For he loved us so much that he died on the cross. A sinner's death for every single one of us that he might take the punishment that we rightfully deserve. That he might pay the penalty of sin for us. And since that penalty has been paid by his blood and we are going to be celebrating this shortly as we remember what he did in communion shortly, know that it is free and open to all who would believe. For today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. 15 minutes from now is not promised. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you. We praise your name. We just ask that you would continue to be with us and hold us and keep us, O Lord. Help us to draw nearer to you a lot, God. And help us to know who we are in you. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for holding us. We thank you for redeeming us. And we know that all things are possible in your name. And we call on your name, Jesus. Keep us and hold us. This is a prayer in your name.